This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, Value Investors. We got another 13F filing from Berkshire Hathaway. Now, remember what the 13Fs are. They have to be filed 45 days at the end of every quarter, and it tells you what all the hedge fund managers are buying and selling, but that also includes Berkshire Hathaway's equity portfolio. And I do have to say, the Q1 for Berkshire Hathaway was a bit boring. Yes, boring. Buffett is sitting on his $130 billion and doesn't care what we think. He doesn't care that he's sitting on it. He knows that many people, uh, shareholders, are uh, you know, wondering when he's going to deploy it. But he's not really giving many clues. He didn't give many at the annual meeting. He again scoffed at doing any kind of dividend. So we just kind of have to wait and see what he buys when he buys it. But the real question is, are there a lot of deals out there right now? Is it unusual that he didn't buy much in this quarter once again? And the real answer is there really aren't that many deals. Uh, So why not have the patience? Why not just sit and wait as he appears to be doing? But one area with the deals are, of course, the regional banks. But Buffett already said at the annual meeting that he's not interested. And I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, why isn't he interested in the regional banks? He did used to own them even just a couple of years ago. And he's still selling out of and getting out of the end of some of them. And he did in this first quarter. But the real answer, I think, is that the regional banks right now are a lot of work. It's not just looking at the business. It's also figuring out management because a lot of the trip ups and issues with some of the regional banks we've seen so far have been bad decisions by management something that you might not uncover if you're just looking at the financials. And that's, again, as I just said, a lot of work. Why bother? Why bother to do all that? And maybe you get it right or maybe you get it wrong. There's a lot of other things you could be spending your money on. And I've always said if a company or in this case an industry is making national headlines for something that's not good. It's not like they found a cure for something. In other words, it's for something negative. Then I don't really want to own that. So I think that's what Buffett has decided. He really doesn't want to own those banks right now. He already owns Bank of America. And he did sell out some more of his USB. So he already has some banking exposure. No need to try to figure it out should be fairly easy right to figure out valuation and where a company stands but right now with the regional banks we still don't really know for many of them so i can't really blame them for steering clear of the banks and it could be that when there's some clarity in that sector maybe he does dive in if there's a complete washout or capitulation somehow, maybe he will take a chance and say, you know, this is overdone. But in other areas, he did sell out of an entire stake in RH. That was first bought in the third quarter of 2019. And I'm pretty sure it was bought by one of the lieutenants because he's never actually mentioned it at any of the annual meetings. 
the lieutenant has added throughout the years, I think they were a 10% shareholder at one point. Um, so am I surprised that they suddenly got out of this? No, because I used to own RH and my own personal portfolio. I owned it since 2016 and I got out of my entire position which had been smaller than it originally was. But I finally sold my remaining shares also uh, in the first quarter around there. And so I wasn't really surprised to see this. The furniture boom is basically over. It's gonna be a struggle, certainly this year, maybe even next year. And it's impacting the entire industry, not just our age. Look at TJX's Home Goods. They just reported earnings, and Home Goods, one of my favorite companies that they own. Remember, they own TJ Maxx and Marshalls, but they crushed it during the pandemic. Um, but now those sales have slowed. You know, you only need so many bread makers. You're only making so many cupcakes. You don't need any more cupcake trays. Uh, you're not no longer, you know, redoing rooms of your house. So you're not going to home goods as much anymore. So look at their comps and what's happened there. In fiscal year, first quarter 2022, which was the first quarter of 2021, the comp sales were up 40% because that was coming off of the pandemic. It did get hit by the pandemic. Stores had to be closed. Home goods, I think, did not have any online sales, if I remember correctly, either. So there was a big recovery for home goods. But last year, they were down 7%. And this year, they're down another 7%. So, you know, two year comp stack down 7% each year is telling you the trend has reversed. It's Marshalls and TJ Maxx stores, however, are doing much better. Those comps were up 5% this quarter on a 3% raise last year. And while they do have some home goods at both Marshalls and TJ Maxx, it's mostly apparel and accessories and other items like that, and not as much on the home side. But RH, uh, taking a look at that, why did he uh, you know, manage to get out of it now? If you look at the earnings, you can kind of see what is happening there, similar to what's happening at Home Goods. So RH, it's trading at 21 times. That's not cheap. Earnings expected to be down 43% this year to 11.35 from 2006 because we were all ordering new furniture <laughs> as we were buying new houses and vacation homes and all this stuff. So not surprising, those earnings are being crushed down. Uh, so are the shares over two years down 61%. They do appear to have stabilized a bit around $250. They haven't really gone under that $200 level, but that would be an area to watch if you're still watching these shares. Um, I might be interested if it you know falls that low. But for now, I too am on the sidelines. I took a look at Williamson Sonoma. That's another one that was a big pandemic winner. It's actually much cheaper. It's trading at just 8.3 times and earnings expected to be down, but only 18.8%. So to 13.43 from 16.54. 
The shares are down about 30% in the last two years, and they continue to be kind of on that downward trajectory. As we keep hearing from these companies, and you know, even like a like a Home Depot saying that the consumer is kind of pulling back on home spending, then these shares continue to sink. I don't think any of them are at their lows. So if you have them on the list and you're thinking, oh, you know, I've always been interested, and some of these are the leaders, Williams and Sonoma and RH are the two industry leaders, is what I would call them. Um, put them on your watch list because I do think they're going to get much cheaper before you know things are washed out here uh what was he buying he did make one big purchase but this might have been uh one of the lieutenants but they bought a billion dollars of capital one financial ticker cof that's on the credit card side they own some of the other credit card companies already two years these shares are down about 41 percent so that's a pretty dramatic drop I took a look at the other credit card companies, MasterCard, ticker MA, still trading at 30 times, but two-year stack, it's now up 6.3%, and uh, earnings expected to be up 15.2% year over year, so it's still generating that earnings growth, but it's, you're still paying quite, you know, to me, an expensive price still for those earnings at 30 times. It's not as bad as it used to be when it was at 50 times, but uh, still not as cheap as I would like to see it. Visa uh, is trading at 27 times, so a little bit more affordable, but, uh, and it too has come down off its highs. Over the two years, shares are up 2.6% for the two-year stack. Uh, earnings, earnings looking good again, expected to be up 14.4% to 858 versus 750. So the big major credit card companies still holding on to that earnings growth. And, but the shares not really responding in the same way anymore because the growth stories and the like, I'll pay anything for MasterCard and Visa is kind of ended now. 2022 kind of shut that down. And so they're kind of treading water to some extent, not breaking out, not really breaking down, uh, but just kind of hanging on right there. Um, but, you know, things a little bit better here because it's not looking too bad in these earnings reports here in 2023. So we, uh, you know, people still willing to dive in there. And if you're a growth investor, then maybe that seems pretty cheap to you to get it at 26 and 30 times for Visa and MasterCard. But let me see what is, I'm sure Capital One is cheaper than some of these other ones. That's probably why they bought into that one. It's down the four. 40%. And yes, it has a forward P of 7.5. So that's pretty cheap. It does pay a dividend yielding 2.6%. And on its earnings, let's see what's happening. Its earnings, well, the earnings are expected to be down 31% from 1771 to 1218. So that's the difference, right? You're paying, uh, you're paying up. You're paying a higher valuation for the better earnings at Visa and Mastercard. 
So keep that in mind. I always try to buy the leaders, but pretty sure they actually already own both MasterCard and Visa for some reason. <laughs> um, but it was always a small, small position. Um, so they own 1.8 billion. It's just 0.58 of the portfolio. They bought it originally in 2011. That's right. I forgot how early they did buy in, but they've never added to it, I don't believe. And MasterCard, it's the same kind of similar story. These are excellent buys for them. I mean, they've done tremendous on it. That's a $1.5 billion position. And that one was bought in the first quarter of 2011. That's what I thought. He bought both of them at the same time. If you recall, Visa went public in like 2008 and MasterCard somewhere in there or maybe just before that. So it was a couple of years after the IPOs, but still early enough where you're still getting like tremendous gains over, you know, that amount of time. And just to, uh, you know, track just how good those investments have been. Well, in the five year now, Visa is up 79% because the last two years haven't really gone anywhere. But maximum since its IPO, it's up. 1,346%. And it's made quite a few millionaires out there from just buying something as basic as the credit card companies. But you did have to know once to buy. So MasterCard, uh, I think that went public in like 2006 is what it has. Um, that one's up even more, 8,274%. Maybe that's what happens when you have a couple extra years on there to tack on. Um, but it's just soared as well. So not a heavy investment by any means, but kind of surprising that he hasn't added anything more to it. Also kind of surprising, as I've mentioned, uh, that he's not adding more to Apple, but it is fairly expense stock here at you know over 26 times earnings or whatever it's at right now. It's uh, not cheap as a value investor, and as much as he loves it, he won't uh, divert from his plan. It's trading at 28.7 times right now. So uh, he still has patience. He still has discipline. Even though he's sitting on $130 billion, he's not willing to um, you know, risk that by buying something, even the greatest company in the whole entire Berkshire Hathaway is what he called it. He's not willing to overpay for an asset. And that must be what he feels Apple is right now, would be overpaying for it. So he's not adding to that. So instead, he's mostly just sitting there waiting waiting for something that looks juicy or interesting or a company he can buy outright for a number of billions of dollars, you know, 40, 50 billion dollar acquisition of some sort to use a big chunk of the money. But otherwise, he's collecting his dividends uh, and he's waiting and again, just having patience. That is one thing that all of us can remember about Buffett is and use it in our own trading and investing is that it's really his patience that is legendary and he's willing to wait sometimes for years before he decides to buy something or get in 
And he's not willing to just deploy the money because things haven't gotten cheap enough. And so he never throws in the towel. That's what I would say. He's never like, darn, all these companies are soaring. We miss the bottom. I really want to own them. I'm just going to buy them here. He never does that. But many of us do, right? Many of us want that momentum. We want to get in on the best trades. We usually aren't there in the bottom. And so we do just kind of throw caution to the wind and get in there. And sometimes it works, but sometimes it's to our detriment. Um, So as I said, Buffett isn't doing much. And so it's relatively boring. But uh, RH does have to feel a little bit um, irked that he did sell the entire position that uh, always gave them some credibility or not even credibility, um, just backing. You know, if Buffett owns a big share of your company, then that says something about your company. But if they're selling out of your company, then what does that say? I don't know. I'm still a fan of RH and its CEO, Gary Friedman. And I still like luxury furniture. I just feel it can get cheaper. And so why not buy it cheaper? And maybe that's what we'll see happen a year or two from now as well in the Berkshire portfolio. We'll have to wait and see. But RH was just a very small percentage of the overall portfolio. So it's not really going to have any ramifications that they sold that position. And it's really is still about, you know, some of these big top four positions in their equity portfolio because they couldn't even remember for sure they own MasterCard or Visa. And they do. And those have been tremendous performers, but it really hasn't moved the needle because they are small positions in the overall portfolio. So let me recap the stocks we talked about. So we did talk about RH and it's ticker RH. And we talked about Williams and Sonoma, ticker WSM. Um, we talked a little bit about Home Goods, ticker TJX, because TJ Maxx owns them. And the Home Goods side is not doing well, but the retail side appears to be doing a little bit better. Then we talked about uh, Capital One Financial, ticker COF is in Frank, COF. And MasterCard is MA, Visa is V. And uh, we talked about Bank of America briefly. He still does own that. Um, BAC is that ticker. And I think he, uh, I think that's it. I think those are the main ones I mentioned. Um, but As always, it's easy to find where Buffett's equity portfolio is. Here's some hints. Do go to whalewisdom.com. You can see the changes that happened there. It is free to just look at the 13 Fs and it lists all the stocks and you can actually uh, click on where they have bought and sold right there. You do need a subscription to see like more detailed information. Like if you wanted to find out how many people are buying uh, Capital One Financial right now out of the hedge funds, you would need a subscription for that. But just to see what Buffett is doing, you don't need a subscription. And when these 13 Fs came out, I did go over to Whale Wisdom like within a few minutes of them being released. And there was so much volume there, I could not even get onto the website. But right now, it's fine. You can go on it. I do recommend going on it to see what Buffett has bought over the years, uh, when he bought it, what, how big those positions are, because a lot of his portfolio is just never really talked about. 
And, you know, Apple takes a lot of the glory, of course, and now maybe Chevron and Occidental are too. But there's some other interesting names in there, uh, like MasterCard and Visa, that have just been tremendous performers. But they're so small, they haven't really, as I mentioned, moved the needle much in the overall portfolio. But as always, you can get all of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on uh, SoundCloud with the Zach's Market Edge. We're on Amazon Music. We're on just about every platform you can get podcasts. So find us on one of them and be sure to subscribe and get us every week so you don't miss a single one. And I'll be back next week with some more value stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.